And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, on today's episode of The Glue Guys, the Nets are back. Yeah. Championship run, Brian. Great game. Great game, Mike. Let's get right into it. to the glue guys this is mike here say hello brian hello check us out on twitter at bk glue guys netsdaily.com the athletic get yourself on the paywall at the athletic.com slash glue guys a subsidiary of the new york times company brian mike um first off before we even get to the game shout out bilga abiri uh the fantastic film critic for new york magazine he had a conversation with new york magazine's podcast critic nicholas qua where bilga was asked what are some of your favorite nba pods we were on that list we were first on the list but there were three nets pods brooklyn buzz and locked on nets and us gotta take some time to stroke our egos before before the show we gotta do it well after the disaster that was (laughs) in brooklyn (laughs) no positives only mike we're going with positives (laughs) yeah royce how about that royce (laughs) o'neill and he had a game actually that would be the one positive um yeah we are going to talk about this season opener for the brooklyn Nets, the bestart of the championship run um what a disaster what an utter disgusting display of basketball Brian. what went, what went wrong like what went wrong what was i mean i have my thoughts but what are your thoughts i think it starts back in 2019 june 30th when <laughs> this us, team was built back, paint a picture i so brian lewis in his write-up in the new york post had a very distinct paragraph it was really two sentences and this is all you need to know the nets were hammered 36 to 4 on second chance points let that sink in and marinate mm. sink it in and marinate that, Brian. Okay. And then he says, before moving on to the fact they were out-rebounded 61-39 to and outplayed all game long. Mm. Hammerjacked. They were, they were hammerjacked. They, were, they got swanton bombed on the boards, Mike. It was, it was bad. But, I mean, in general, it was bad in a lot of other ways, too. So, like, that's, that's a good data point for one, one way we were bad. <laughs> but we were bad in many other ways, too, uh, which we can elucidate in great detail um on this on this podcast well here's what i'll say the first thing that sure. jumps off the page for me is that you know in both instances if we're if we're framing a narrative if we're building you know it's it's sports talk radio you know morning after the game um my narrative is starting lineup has some problemos mike um we're missing we're missing seth curry and or joe harris badly in this situation um I don't know if that's even like the the total solution. And and again, I don't want to jump to crazy conclusions based on one game. Like, let's not fall into that trap. Okay, that's a trap that people will fall into, and we're not going to do it. But there were some some moments there where you began to. It was hard to push the doubt demons, you know, down the hole. 
um, down the feeling sure. hole where they belong. Um, because we came out and it was a slop fest, a slop fest. And then we did it again in the second half after a little bit of momentum change towards the end of the second quarter came out in the third quarter and did the exact same stuff. And, uh, you know, optically it wasn't great. There was just a, a lot of confusion. There was a lot of, uh, just sort of lapses in judgment over and over again. Uh, again, we're kind of still, we do the thing that we do every, every season, which is like, let's get Nick Claxton engaged in the offense. And, um, <laughs> that seems to be like the, the thing on the whiteboard. That's like, you know, there's a big star by it. And, um, I love Nick Claxton. Don't get me wrong. But he is not a focal point. That is that is a thing. That is a thing that we should let, you know, just drift off, drift off into space. Him being like your pick and roll guy is that's he's just not he just doesn't have the timing right. He doesn't have the hands for it. Uh, there was a lot of plays ran where he would be sort of the the last guy, the finishing person on on an offensive play and it just like kind of collapsed for a variety of reasons sometimes he didn't roll right in time sometimes he didn't catch the ball i, I don't want to like fixate on the collection but unfortunately we were trying to like get him engaged and it wasn't really working and then we do the thing which we always do which is what you have to do in that situation okay the offense when we try to do the system version isn't working let's defer to Kyrie and kd and then Kyrie is off Oh rats! Now we have nothing. We have truly nothing going. KD. But, but not just that. Like we yeah. have to explore him being off. We have yeah. to dive deeper into him being off. It's like when you make a Hollywood movie and it costs one hundred twenty-five million dollars. You think you may have something. You're like, let's throw another seventy-five million dollars at this yeah. movie. And you know what? Shoot, it's a dud. Shut. It's Black Adam. <laughs> it's no. it's Morbius. Damn it! We made Morbius again. Morbius was pretty good. Did you see no, Morbius? I, no, no, I didn't see Morbius. <laughs> I mean, a little scary. Too scary for me. Morbius um, is too scary no, for you. No, I, I oh know. I was playing in the meme. Yeah. But I just want a competent basketball team for once in my life. This team hasn't had a competent basketball system since Kenny Atkinson was fired. Mm. Since pre-KD Kyrie. There have been glimmers. There's been moments. There's been times when you could peek through the Swiss cheese holes and fine, you could see it. I, and I know, first game of the season. The funny thing is, uh, you know, I had Sarah Kustak on. Nets mm -hmm. on yes. Nice Multi-time Emmy winner. What a mensch that Sarah Kustak is. And, you know, I was like reasoned with her, right? Like she just brings this energy of that everything's going to be okay. Let's give everyone a chance. Mm. And I even said, like, I hope this team has a, like, is allowed to have a journey. I hope this team... Because we have to remember the Celtics last year sucked for the first two months of the season. And then obviously they went yeah. to the championship. And I mostly believe that. Like in my heart, that's what I believe. And then I hope this team has a nice runway. But I just want to see competent flowing basketball. We have two of the most electric, excellent players in the history of their, gener in, of their generation, let's just say. Mm -hmm. And Kyrie and KD. We have Ben Simmons, who, yes, Rusty. That's his new name. I don't know if you saw The Athletic put out a little quote card. It was a picture of Ben Simmons. And what he after the game, Steve Nash said he was Rusty. Mm. So Rusty Simmons. We got little old Rusty Simmons over there, who is an exciting player on his own front. But it was just the, there. You talked about it. It was the dueling banjos offense. Mm -hmm. It was KD, go get a bucket. Kyrie, go get a bucket. Oh, Kyrie can't get a bucket in this game. Oh, let's scramble. Let's see what Ben Simmons can do. Ben Simmons took three shots from the field. Yeah. Um, negative 26 uh, plus minus, which, you know, plus minus. I don't even know why I reference it. I just want to see a competent basketball team. And I will say this as a counterpoint. Mm -hmm. 
the Pelicans, right? The, the, the fearsome Pelicans, now the expected NBA champions for how much they laid a beat down on your Brooklyn Nets. That team is as disjointed as the Nets. They just don't get as much coverage yeah. about it. Zion hadn't played since May of 2021. So he had as long of a streak as Ben Simmons of not playing basketball, just about, I think, right? When, when did Ben Simmons stop playing? 2020 or 2021? I don't know. Yeah. A year and a half matter. ago, whatever. Yeah. Same. Yeah. So basically the same time frame. Um, CJ McCollum was added to the team, you know, around the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Him and Brandon Ingram, you know, they didn't have a ton of time to work everything out. They, this team, them, the Pelicans, are forming too. Everyone at the beginning of the year is forming into who they hope to be. This is the step one of a long process. Yeah. And they look like a basketball team, and we look like a bunch of dudes rolling out that ball and taking shots. And it's yeah. like, and to put a finer point on it, I'm not blaming Kyrie. I'm not blaming KD. And I promise I won't harp on this all year. But I have yet to see a piece of evidence. I know this is the first episode. First game of the season, Steve Nash, you're on notice, my friend. Okay. You are on notice. All right. I don't care about your Viore sponsorship or your new business where you think you have a, a fitness app. You're trying to break into the fitness app space, which I don't know if you know he's doing that. He's breaking in to the fitness app space. Okay. Maybe focus on your app because yeah. you ain't. Wow. I just wow. I just need to see it. Tech pivot coming up. Um, am I too hot and bothered? Is it too much? Uh, and I'm trying to do. I just get so like. You know, I just I'm, want to watch good basketball. I want to like this. The whole point of following a, a t- team, Bri, mm. is that you have fun. I'm looking for my tank of copium right now because I'm going to give some some copium takes. I actually think the Pelicans are pretty good, and I think it's yeah, a tu- and I think it's a awesome. tough matchup for us, especially if we don't have our primary floor spacers because they are so th- they're thick with three or four C's, Mike, in the middle. Okay, they're a thick team, and if we're mm-hmm. you know. If we're Nick Claxton, that's a couple of CCs of thick right there, my friend. <laughs> you got it, you got it, buddy. And um, and look, if we're if our offense is now kind of um, hindered by that lack of spacing, and we're requesting Nick Claxton and Ben Simmons to be like, you know, I don't know, doing things, doing things out of the post, or like getting into, you know, doing playing post defense for God's sakes for Nick Claxton against against Valanciunas was, you know, that's tough. That's a tough matchup. So I don't want to. Again, this is my canister of copium. I'm not trying not to go too crazy with it, but I do think it's a rough matchup for us, especially if we don't have that uh, our, our primary three-point shooting weapons at hand. Um, they can't come back soon enough, Mike. We, we cannot have this amount of non-shooters surrounding this team. Cause, yeah, because yeah. really... Where it hurts you is like, so Patty Mills had a good game, a yeah. good Patty Mills game. Of and, and when he was actually making shots, it was like those were the... the the sets that were like successful was the Patty Mills was like corner three sets, you know, like when that was working, that was working. And so what you have out there is Cam Thomas gets 13 minutes. Emden Sumner, who a little shaky for, for Fort Sumner over there. Yeah. Um, he starts to kind of, by the end of it, he's, he started to figure it out a little bit, but yes. yeah. And I'm sure he's on an upward trajectory in, ter- in terms yeah. of greatness, yeah. but you, you get minutes from guys out there that like, I think didn't Kess get in earlier in the game? I know he only got four minutes. I thought he got in earlier in the game. But the problem is, is that, yes, the Pelicans probably are the worst matchup in the NBA for the Nets because they are so dominant. They will be so dominant. They may be the best rebounding team because they have a true center in Valanciunas who's always been a very good rebounder. Zion is an absolute monster freak. Mm-hmm. Um, and beyond that, they even have Herb Jones, like defensive 
slasher bro. Brandon Ingram, you know, plenty of height there. And since they don't have a real point guard, CJ McCollum is going to be taller than most other teams' point guards to begin. They're they're a big team. Even off the bench, it's like Larry Nance Jr. They're, yeah. They have dudes. Uh, Trey Murphy was uh, startling and devastating to the Nets, too. But the thing you bring up Joe Harris and Seth Curry, I just hated that. And Kevin Durant talked about this before the season, about how and we debunked this theory. Uh, we Joe Rogan this theory, but that, you know, when, when he went out with injury last year, he thought the team should have kept winning games. When, if you dig into the games that they, when he went out with injury, it was like Kyrie played one of them or Harden only played one of them. And then mm-hmm. there was injuries and like, there was a starting lineup of a bunch of terrible players. But it, is Joe Harris that important? Is he like, is he that important? I, I would say he alone is not that important, but one of the two of them we do kind of need. You know, and that's that's a reflection on a lack of depth, Mike. I mean, and to your point, I think I agree that if that's truly the case, that's a surprisingly lean roster. Because we got in this situation, the bench felt very much like it felt last year without Curry and Harris. I mean, the bench felt like even. I mean, we were like, I was like, oh my god, we're getting like real Dayron Sharp minutes here. Like this is <laughs> this is the state of our bench, and no, and I, you know, we do this thing where we kind of like fixate on the fringes again. I want to say like. Primary reason that this went hinky was because the starting lineup was disjointed to begin with, and then we defaulted to our plan B, which is Kyrie and KD go get a bucket. Kyrie wasn't able to do that, so that was the failure. But to fixate a little bit on the margins, Dayron, I don't, I, I, he is not ready to play that amount of minutes at this level, Mike. I'm just, I'm just going to come out and say it. I'm, I'm trying to look up his shot chart from last <clears throat> night because he was one of eight from the field, um, which usually for a center is not a good sign. I don't, yeah. know, if you, I don't <laughs> yeah. know if you track yeah. that field goal percentage at that position is, is rough. Um, and, and so like it, it's just so I don't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to do like overreaction theater for the first game. And and I think what, what we can within context say is that like, sure, the, the nets look bad last night. They, they could be a better, they, you know, it's game one. We're not going to remember this game in two weeks. Um, but they talked all offseason. Markeith Moore said this himself about the Nets last year, is that they got pushed over. Like, yeah. they were a team you could just bowl over. And you get out-rebounded 61-39 to 39 or whatever it was. That's kind of coming out and not listening to your own scouting report on some level. And, and, right? and like, on paper, I mean, the decision to play Dayron makes sense. If you're getting beat on the boards and, you know, want, you know he's built like a, a brick shithouse, Mike, so you throw him in there. <laughs> but the problem is he is, he he just, he's never in the right place at the right time. It is a, it is a, um, it's a positional thing. He just doesn't, he's not, he doesn't have that intuition quite yet. It's maybe it's about reps. I don't know what he gets. He gets like loosey goose and he starts kind of getting like, you know, tunnel vision on just like ball hunting. And it's like, bro, if you just box, just fi- figure out a way to box out either of Zion or, or Valanciunas. And that's, that's what you're really here for it. But he kept kind of like roving around. I, I mean, I watched back some of the game and even on the offensive sets, like I, I was kind of like watching him. Cause he played, he came in first big off the bench with like around five or six minutes to go in the first quarter. Like he's in there early and uh, is like setting picks in to no to nowhere there's nobody being picked he's just he's just not facing the guy who has the ball setting a pick on a man who's not cutting and like there's moments like that that happen like pretty frequently and it's just like where are you what are you doing what's happening 
And anyways, we're 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 I'm grilling him a little bit hard right now, and and I feel bad about it because this he shouldn't <laughs> he seems be like a, he should he be seems in this like position. Young man. He should not be in this position where we have to grill him. But unfortunately, that's that's the state of the roster. So I mean, and again, we're on the fringes. Um, but it just like that kind of those types of things were popping off the page to me. It's you know those details with guys further down the roster who are now asked to play larger roles, bigger minutes, and they just don't feel like they're up to speed. This just for the YouTube audience. This is it, I'm innovating here. Okay, though my background is now Dayron's shot chart, and if I turn my head like this, <laughs> look at those X's. X's are bad. Okay, yeah. Green circles. He has one little green circle, literally within the basket. Yeah. <laughs> look at all those X's, man. There's another they, X out of the three point line. Are, is that one X like right in the middle, just like five overlapping each other? Is that the yeah, it's yeah. five overlapping X's <laughs> there. And then there you took a shot here yeah. and then there's like a three point shot right in my sternum. Yeah. Okay. That of course that missed, but yeah. I mean, you know, it's a wide open shot from the top of the key. I'm sure that was fine. It was, but, it was garbage minutes, capital G garbage minutes. If, if you think if he's 50% from the field, you know, it's six more points. The game's a little bit closer. Like, all these little things add up to this team <clears throat> getting um, hammerjacked mm-hmm. on opening night in front of the crowd. Let's do this quick break. Coming back, I have a positive. I have two, okay. oh, I have two positives, but one big one that I really want to lay out. Let's get into it. Love that. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And we're back, Brian. Um, here's a positive for you. Okay. Mm-hmm. We, we went pretty hard at the top and we're now we're going a little soft. Okay. Okay. Um, so after the game, Kevin Durant, of course, spoke with the media and here's what Kevin Durant had to say. Again, getting this from the Brian Lewis story in the New York post. He says first quarter down 32, 14, I came out and had three turnovers. And then the first shot I took was just a horrible shot. I just set a bad precedent for the rest of the night. So I've got to come out more locked in. I've just got to be better. Po- here's the positive. I am the fear about this team is that if things go bad, things explode. That if if we veer down the path of losing, Katie will reignite his trade request, they'll fire Steve Nash, Kyrie will decide to, you know, fly to Moscow to free Brittany Griner or something. Like he will he will leave the team, right? And I I know this is this is a normal quote from Kevin Durant that I've got to be better. He's a leader of the team. 
He did have those three turnovers early, though. Like, he's so good that he can, like, stop being bad pretty quickly. And they had a really good game after that. He was about, you know, one of the few nuts that had a good game. This, I like to see this quote. I mm. like to see that he's saying, as a leader, that I've got to come in more locked in and I've got to be better. Because it's not that Katie's not that kind of guy. It's just that it would be... I would have expected maybe even a little bit more standoffish because the way that he's been talking about the team has felt very much like he wasn't taking blame for what went wrong in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. Maybe he doesn't agree with that. I, you know, I know he listens, mm. but it didn't seem like he was an equal partner in the disaster that was last season. <clears throat> yeah. He is taking part. He's taking ownership, not even partnership, but ownership about what happened in the game last night. Yeah, and as the best player on the team, it, as cliche as that is, I like to see it. Are you getting worried at all about his propensity to just kind of like dribble off his foot that and like just kind of like give up weird turnovers? Because this kind of was a carryover from. I mean, this was happening in the Celtic series like nonstop somehow. Just like these yeah, real the Celtic series was so. <laughs> People don't talk about how bad KD was at times in the Celtic series. Like it, just the most bizarre like you know sort of middle school turnovers of just like you know running into somebody off their thigh or whatever and like um that was kind of happening especially in the first quarter kind of when we're trying to set the the tempo we're trying to really cement our offensive sets and there's at least two that i can think of just like sloppy kd turnovers um are we worried that there's like <laughs> that that's going to be a thing like what, what has that always been the case or we just have like weird small sample size theater for this it really stands out to us, but it has always sort of been the case that because okay. he, he's seven feet tall mm -hmm. and he is becomes a primary ball handler. And he we know because of that shot against Milwaukee two playoffs ago that he has big feet, mm. you know, his feet so big that he can't shoot a three point shot. They all have to be two point shots. Right. He he does have these things where they'll just the ball will just kind of leave him. Yeah. He is the tightest handle of any seven footer. Right. Maybe ever, okay. but still, he's yeah. a seven-footer trying to, you know, dribble drive and put up jumpers and all that stuff. I'm not as concerned about it. I, I, I was not, in the Celtics yeah, series. I don't know what I'm really trying really to. Bad. I don't know what I'm trying to say no, here, but, <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm just thinking about like our half-court offense. Like when I'm just thinking of those sets, and it's like these like kind of handoff dribble handoffs to nowhere, and then like all of a sudden there's nine seconds left, and it ends up in like yes. Katie's hands, and. <clears throat> I'm just trying to think, like, who who's supposed to be doing it? The only person that seemed to be cutting is Royce O'Neal. And, like, a lot of whenever a play was going right is because he was kind of the connective tissue in between, like, he was, like, the third pass or whatever that led to the, you know, the, the hockey assist or whatever it was. Um, but, again, this goes back into, the, like, this lame talking point of, like, where's the activity? And, you know, I don't want to do that all season. I don't want to set that precedent. Well, no, but, but you know. it, it has to be said because, like, this team lost Bruce Brown and they got Royce O'Neal. And Royce O'Neal, if you're going to do the other positive we talked about at the top, he is a positive. Ten points, seven rebounds, two blocks, three steals, three assists, two for three from from three, four for seven from the field. So a very efficient, no turnovers. Like he literally did almost nothing wrong in terms mm -hmm. of just like pure box score, blah, blah, blah. And when you watch the game, I mean, he was, he had like a couple of those deflections. He had that series where there was like, yeah. he got two deflections to get the ball back to the nets. Um and I'm I'm happy for I'm happy that he's he's playing on this team, but you know, this game part of where when we talk about like the nets got bullied, right? Well, the way to fight back, and this will be another positive, 
Ready for this? Mm -hmm. I like that Ben Simmons fouled out. Whoa. Because even though he only took three shots and he was 0 for 2 from the free throw line, um, he wasn't turtling. Like I, he was trying to guard Zion. He was, tr- he put, he, he is no fear on defense. Mm-hmm. Like as much as we like to, you know, that we like to talk about, but the amount that we talk about his health ish, mental health issues and how he passed up the dunk against the Hawks on defense, he has no fear. Mm-hmm. Like he is trying to guard the best players and he's trying to guard every position and he'll switch on to anyone. And the, he likes the battles against Giannis. It seems like, yeah. and he was trying against Zion who Zion is like second in the league compared to Giannis as being completely unguardable and overpowering. Yeah. Um, I, I was very happy to see. I mean, like I know they didn't want Simmons to fell out. And once he found out the game was essentially over, um, I'd rather him be aggressive and reckless and as he said after the game, he described it as excited. He he said, I knew I, ki- I couldn't foul out. I shouldn't foul out. I'm a motor on this team. Something that Steve Nash said too. But, you know, I, I can't foul out, but I was just so excited to be out there. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I want that excitement because Durant and Kyrie are never going to be, this isn't who they are. They're not going to be bullies or, or energy providers or guys who are they're just not physical in that way. So when you go up against a team like the Pelicans, you kind of need Ben Simmons to be throwing his body around. You need Royce O'Neal to be doing it. And Nick Claxton, you know, I think it was a, his muscles helped a, a little bit. His, yeah. His his swollenness. Um <clears throat> that's why I kind of wanted to see if like Markeith Morris could have got in there and just maybe punch someone in the face, but he yeah. didn't do that. He only played three minutes. Yeah, that was weird um, too. Um yeah, I'm trying to think of what to do with like I'm just trying to think of what to do. Um, and in the interim, they, they need to sign Conor McGregor. And they, just let him punch people. The, in the face. I think there's something needs to happen with the Nick Claxton, Ben Simmons starting lineup. And again, and this is going to be like the talking point of the season, probably of just like, let's play Ben Simmons at the five on offense, have him stop. Cause like when he even like does like play point guard on, on, uh, on offense, it doesn't, it's, it's not like, it's not breaking down his first defender kind of, you know, point guard stuff. That's more, we, we have Kyrie Irving who can do that. Um, and so at, at times it was still, it's still this thing of like how to integrate this guy. And I, and I, I'm just like lamenting the fact that that's going to be this, the talking point for this entire season. I can just, I can just feel it coming now where it's just like, Hey, we don't have enough spacing, especially with Nick Claxton and playing together. Can they play together? Blah, blah, blah. blah. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. But we say, you know, I don't disagree with you. Like Claxton, he presents problems, but this team got out rebounded to such a degree that if you took Claxton off the floor, it would have been 70 to 20 or whatever it would have been 70 to 30. And like, you know, so at some point you just have to, you try to have a equilibrium on your team. You can't have a perfect situation one side and just be a disaster on the other. I mean, the other part of that metric though is missed shots lead to, rebounds very nice, <laughs> so, very nice brian right. so if you make more of the shots with presumably more spacing um you have less rebounds to be grabbed in general i know i think it's going to be the difficult thing about this team all year is that because claxton he had 10 rebounds which is a very nice number but he doesn't feel like what drummond felt like and of course drummond's one of the best rebounders of his generation um but like where Drummond would take up so much space or Brooke would take up so much space down low and Brooke classically didn't get a lot of rebounds, but he was so big 
that the team got rebounds off of his like it's, boxing. That's, that's the big brain, deep analytics. It's not individual rebounding, Mike. It's the team. It's, team. it's the team. It's team rebound. Claxton's very much like he he can get pushed over, or he gets the rebound, and it's great when he does. But like he doesn't consume the bottom by the basket the way that like a Drummond. No, he, he's he's a pogo stick jumper guy, and oftentimes he gets it because of you know his his just length and stuff. But he's not he's not a particularly good like boxer outer. I don't think. If actually, I think he's more inclined to lose the rebound in general if he if he boxes out just because he's so lean. Like even like a PJ Tucker, like big butt PJ. <clears throat> you know that that's a, that's a kind of guy. Like maybe that's why I want to see what Markeith Morris does. We just need a little bit of a bowling ball energy down there who can push the other center around. But the Pelicans are. I mean, getting. Let's you know we talked about this, but that is a beastly team. That starting lineup with no point guard and just going with C.J. Herb Jones, Valanciunas. I mean, I've always loved Valanciunas. Valanciunas. You've talked about him a lot, Brandon. Ingram, yeah, I've yeah. tried to trade for him yeah. many, many times. And Zion. I mean, Zion looked just phenomenal. Yeah, I and wish Ben awesome. Simmons could come back and look as good as Zion did <laughs> when he came back. What's what's up with that? I said something to Sarah Kustak, my new best friend, when okay. I was talking to her on the pod, um, that I don't even think about Simmons' shooting. Like, I watch him. I want to see him assist, rebound. But he only took three shots, two for three. I think they were – I don't know his shot chart, but they were probably mostly dunks. Um, I know one of them was a dunk. Mm-hmm. Does this team need Simmons to score more than four points a game? You would hope. You would hope that. <laughs> that <laughs> I, mean, take? I don't. I don't know that they need him to. But I mean, just for the sake of uh, you know everyone's state of mind and and you know self self worth, I think you would want more more than four points per game. Um, again, all the shots were right at the basket. By th- the way, this is rust. I'm more looking to like just see you. You make a good point about him being engaged on on defense, and this again, this is going to be this pain in the ass talking point for the entire season. But like, despite being sort of limited on offense, like he, you, there are you catch him kind of sitting in no man's land pretty frequently for a guy who's like trying to get his mojo back. Um, you, you want to see a lot more cut it, whatever it is, whatever you got to do to get in there. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking back to moments too, where like, I mean, there's just true lapses in in initiative from from everybody. Like, I, there was yes. one possession where there was like a, a three guys standing at the top of the key. Um, I think Ben Simmons is one of them, uh, and and poor Dayron's got the ball like in it, at the top of the key with three defenders just like beginning to swarm around him, and uh, nobody's cutting, nobody's doing anything. They're kind of just like hit, they're like all like, hey, do you want to like do you need me to hit the escape valve for you and and that's the offense. That was the offensive set for that, and of course, it led to a turnover. And um, like those types of things are just like, why, why is Dayron have the ball there in the first place? How how has he not gotten rid of it by the time? Like if, if it touches his hands that far away, somebody needs to be careening off a screen and grabbing it from him in one way or another. He should never be in that position. So it's just like, I, and again, this goes back to your stuff about Nash. It's like there should be some like some base expectations, <laughs> some some rules that should not happen for Dayron. I don't care, like you know what's happening in an offense is there should just be a rule. Like don't give him the ball that far away from the basket unless there's somebody who's immediately going to be there to take it from him. I I know that there's way more that goes into coaching an NBA offense. And, <laughs> but I, what I'm going to say is that Steve Nash's offensive philosophy is they will figure it out. Yeah. Like we just need to get the reps. The guys are so good. They will figure it out. 
I, you know, maybe that will work out down the road. And and I do. This team can definitely prove it has a lot of talent. When Seth and Joe come back, like if you think about the fact that if they can rotate Roy, Seth, Joe, and Patty within sort of like the wing shooter. I mean, Royce is more of a defender than any of those guys, but wing shooter roles. And then all you're really doing is mixing in KD, Kyrie, and Ben Simmons. And then you have Claxton and Sharp. And then what? You back it up with like a Markeith Morris. Um, you know, it's, that you're feeling pretty good about yourself, right? Like that's a, a beastly offensive, at least, uh, rotation. But, you know, like this is never going to happen. But a Mike D'Antoni team would never look like this. Mm. Like um, at the very basic level... Like you're talking about, like a Mike D'Antoni team would never leave Dayron Sharp wide, like to be swarmed by three defenders at the three point line. There would be some system that it would that would at least focus in the talents and present a way that you could play winning basketball. Maybe it'll be different. You know, they're they're gonna figure it out. This to give Nash a little credit, it is kind of tough to try to integrate what Ben Simmons does. His deficiencies plus his positives into a roster that doesn't have a true point guard. Like if Simmons is the true point guardish on the team, yeah. well, <clears throat> as he develops, the team will maybe develop and get better. But Kyrie is not a point guard, even no. though he had five assists. Whatever that he's not. He's he's a shooting guard. He, that's who he is. He's a he's a uh, electric scorer who sometimes gets assists. I'm just trying to think back to like. And I, I, I promised Alex Sturm I would not talk about James Harden, but this isn't really about James Harden. But like when we had the highest offensive rating in the history of basketball, like what was so different? Like what was happening there that was so markedly different from what's happening here? And I mean, like to the well, ex- yeah, go ahead. To me, it was like w- the waves of offense that would come. Like it would right. be if it if it was James Harden, Kyrie, KD, whatever. But it would be like. They would start quickly with those guys, but then Joe Harris would be firing from deep. They would alternate the possessions where it would feel like, oh my God, Kyrie hits them in this spot. And then Kyrie drives the basket and then KD would get a bucket. I mean, it was never an efficient, it was never like a, um, I don't know how to describe it. It was never a system offense even then, but but James Harden is a true point guard. I, mean, that's the I, thing. I felt I felt like it was a natural system in just that like James Harden does two things or gives up the ball. Like every possession had, okay, we're going to maybe try a pick and roll. Okay. That didn't work. Now we're going to do, you know, the James Harden um, sort of like attempt at a drive. Okay. Didn't work. And then there's like the third, the, the next sort of phase of the offense, which is now we, you know, go down the ranks. It's Kyrie's turn. And if all else fails, it's Kevin Durant's turn. Um, in this case, like just again, last night, like it, we, we defer to the, when the system fails, we defer to these two guys <clears throat> dueling banjos, as you often say. And, um, it's getting like increasingly easier to guard that. I don't know why it feels that way, but like, it feels like they're getting easier and easier to kind of, we're just getting more predictable or something. Like, it's like still, we haven't changed in two years that if you watched game footage from us last year, you'd have, you'd be pretty up to speed. Like in terms of if, you know, you were planning to play defense against the, the 2022, 2023 nuts, you can watch a lot of last year's footage. It was a lot of the same stuff. It was basically the a copy and paste. So I don't, and I don't know what you can do at this point. I mean, I don't know, because like when all else fails, we just go to bucket getting. Yeah, and and again, Kyrie, KD are different than Luca, James Harden. So the the heliocentric Harden, Luca types, while there are flaws in that system, like the super high usage. Trey Young is a good example of a guy who's super high usage, 
It can be successful, but there's a limit to it. But at least in those offenses, it's like, as you said, there's two things that happen. Harden drives to the bucket, gets fouled, or he puts up a, a, a three. I guess the third thing would be the pick and roll and the roll to the, the hoop for the big man, right? Where shooters coming off, right? It's it, there, there are defined sort of things that happen. Kyrie and KD are these island players. They are guys who they are so individually talented, so gifted what they do that they can put up a shot anywhere on the floor. But that doesn't – it's not like a, a team offense. Yeah. That is just like a – they are Barry Pepper as a sniper in Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. And eventually mm-hmm. that tank is going to aim its, <laughs> it its is. muzzle yeah. right at Barry Pepper. <laughs> it is. It's a hell of a muzzle. Um, yeah, and I I, I I, don't know if I, do you feel this way, but it's like... Um, they should tank? Yeah, tank this. No, 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 no. Go no, no, for no. Wembanyama. <laughs> no. Um, it feels like it's getting less and less effective over time. It feels like it's getting harder to make the shots and there are less of them going in over time. Does it feel that way to you? I, this is this is pure back of the envelope. This is reaching. I'm listening to my heart instead of my mind here. But um, maybe it's just because like Kyrie had an off night. And when Kyrie has an off night, it looks truly awful. Like everything looks really, really like abysmal. Um, yeah. And so that that's because that's. That wasn't really the case for a lot of like even when like when he did play last year like all those games were ascendant sort of like crazy you know sixty point games whatever like he he was like really having um when he did play amazing performances on an individual night basis um so we didn't have a lot of like duds I mean until the playoffs um got a little duddier not full duds but this was like a fat this was an unavoid like the only shots that he made were like the hardest shots that he took which is again goes back into into the memes of this team like the the harder the shot gets the more likely it is to go in yeah i mean i can't you can't say that about kevin durant no I kevin guess. durant had a good game he was i mean you know yeah. he put up nummies i don't know Ky- you're right about Ky- i think the aesthetics of Kyrie because of what he can do and then like if you look at a shot chart it's horrific. Like anything outside of 18 feet, he missed. Yeah. Um, and there are threes all over the place. He took like a, this, he, he takes like some of the worst shots that you can possibly take on the floor because of what he does. And he's not a guy who traditionally gets fouled. So he's never going to get easy buckets. I mean, the whole thing about this team is they're going to get easy buckets. Yeah. I mean, th- that's why it all goes back to Ben Simmons. And, you know, he's the only guy on the team that can run a point guardy offense. Yeah. And he needs to be operating. And it will be interesting to see Seth Curry, a guy that he's played with, Seth Curry and Joe Harris being shooters off of Ben. And whether, yeah. like, the the exciting thing, that the positive, is when those guys are back, can the Nets bench units be elite compared to other teams' bench units? So, like, their starters should be fine. Ultimately, they weren't, obviously, against the Pelicans. <laughs> But the Nets' special sauce could be when the bench units come out and they have Simmons or KD or Kyrie on the floor with shooters and Markeith Morris. Can they just put up buckets and just completely dominate those minutes? And why didn't Markeith get more minutes? That's Did we talk about that? Um, Steve Nash is a bad person. I think he's just like got a personal vendetta or something. That was it. Yeah, I think okay. they, they signed him and they said, you're never going to play again. Yeah. Um, perspective time. You ready? Okay. Last season... The Nets opened the season at the Milwaukee Bucks and lost in a pretty ugly fashion, 104-127. The next game, they came back at Philly and won at Philly. Then they lost to the Hornets, but then they beat the Wizards, lost to the Heat, then beat the Pacers, Pistons, Hawks, Pistons, 
Raptors. Unless again, are you trying they, to say they, it's a long season, Mike? Is that what I'm hearing? It's a long they season. Went, yeah. They went 14 and five. Let's say they went 16 and six into early December, mm-hmm. right? So even off of an ugly opening loss, they played really well. They were the number one seed in the East at one point, and then of course Kevin Durant decided to snap his knee. Yeah, and everything went to hell. Yeah. Look, I'm 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 here for it. We could these takes could be could seem real stale in a week, and I and I, I'm praying for that. I'm super praying for that. Well, our history would say that they will be stale because they'll play as always. We do a really hot episode. Mm-hmm. They, the Nets come back, and then they're like, "Oh yeah, they're awesome," and they're yeah. playing Toronto at home. Toronto's really good, mm-hmm. but um, if the Nets like dominate them, blah blah yeah. blah. Okay, hey, hey, um, Mike, where do they find us? NBA draft prep, go to tankathon.com. No. Uh, <laughs> um, they can find us on Twitter at BK Glue Guys, netsdaily.com yeah. as always. Uh, we are on the athlete, uh, the New York Times' homepage. There's a big banner that says, mm-hmm. click here for Glue Guys. Yeah. And um, link to Mike Smeltz's LinkedIn pages on there. Um, yep. Yeah. But um, only in the Philippines can you find that. Discord.gg slash glue guys. Get in there. The takes are spicier. It's gonna be it's gonna be cooler. If you want to be part of the community, that's where you really get into it because Twitter is a cesspool. But if you want to find us on Twitter at PK Glue Guys, Mike, thanks for having me on the big show. Hey, thanks for being here. Okay, bye everybody. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.